0: God damn it, really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome.
1: All right. Welcome to the show. Hello, hi, greetings, salutations. What were you saying?
0: Hey. Hi. You know what I'm like literally starting to like dislike slightly? Hmm. Pearl Jam? no <laughs> dude that's all i've spent <laughs> guess what i never think about anymore uh eddie Vedder, pearl jam you know why because we're not on a tour bus somewhere no because no, like i mean and i'm not
1: asking you to reconsider your hatred of pearl jam
0: no unless you're a pearl jam fan you're not hearing about pearl jam ever no they're not in right. the news they're out of no. the news yeah the people that I hate are the ones that are in the news. Anyways, let me get back to what I was going to Yeah, what are you starting to hate? Let me tell you what the, the bee that's in my bonnet. But it's not really a bee. It's more like a no The no in my bonnet, you know what it is? What's that? Notifications. And I'm talking about literally an ass load of notifications like every time i'm on the phone or like i'm just trying to do something like let me just listen to tchaikovsky's 27th symphony oh which i know you love to do dude here's what i like to do i like to cover myself in butter roll 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 around on the lawn (laughs) until ants swarm on me and then listen to tchaikovsky's 27th symphony while they eat the butter They're not biting me. (laughs) They're just eating the butter. But here's what happens. Bling, 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 bling notifications. And it's shit like, oh, it's somebody that you absolutely don't give a fuck about's birthday. I don't care. I know.
1: I couldn't agree more. And here's the deal. Here's the insidious nature of our current waking life. You can turn them off. Because here's what someone might say to you. Bobby... Turn them off, baby. Well,
0: I, want I want to. I want to. How do I do it?
1: Guess what? Doesn't matter. Because guess what I do every day? Unsubscribe from shit. Oh, yeah. That I didn't sign up for. Every day. Oh, yeah. I, I unsubscribe to like 10 things. They'll just sign you back up. Because here's the deal. It's not an accident. Okay? Your phone is in cahoots with all the platform makers who want you addicted to it. They All of them know this now. No one is innocent anymore. Maybe maybe Twitter 2008 was innocent, but not anymore. So they want you staring at it. They want you engaged in it. Actually, you know in the movie The Social Dilemma? Yeah. A lot of people didn't like the um, dramatic reenactments of the guy from Mad Men who was controlling the levers. Right. Anytime the guy stepped away. Mm-hmm. So you're doing it now. You're looking at your phone when we're supposed to be doing podcasts.
0: I'm trying to turn off my notifications. Guess what they could do? Maybe do it after the podcast. No, but guess what they could do? They could like, when you open up notifications, show you all your apps and which ones have notifications on and which ones don't. But guess what? It doesn't do that. It just shows you a billion applications. And then you got to go into each one. And then guess what happens before you even get halfway through all your apps? You die of old age. Your body's bleaching the sun. Something Ant's like you gets eating distracted. the butter. What? You get distracted.
1: Not get distracted. You can't you even can't do, do the podcast. It. Here's the deal. I liked the dramatic reenactments of that movie where it had the guy who's basically like, oh, he hasn't looked at his phone in 10 seconds, beep, bop, boop, and they push you some bullshit. That's yeah. real, man. They want you addicted to it. And it works. Even people who are smart and who are afraid of this and who know it, we're still addicted to it. So I'll think about all the people in the world who don't give a fuck, who couldn't care less, and who aren't smart. The end. Game over. Game over.
0: It's over. Well, it's over. here's who it's not over for. People that want to manipulate and control everybody. For them, it's game on and... Dude, those guys are so far in the lead. They're like, you know what? Let's not even slow down. Let's fuck yeah. these people. Bloodbath. Dude, can we talk about a movie that I saw yesterday that's on HBO Max sure. that was truly a turd, The Little Things?
1: Uh, is that the Jared Leto, Denzel yeah.
0: movie? Yeah, I thought that looked pretty good. I haven't seen it, though, obviously. It looks incredible. It's got Denzel Washington, always a joy to watch. Loved him in the new Equalizer series. I hope they keep making those forever. Jared Leto, human being, F, actor A. He's a bad human being? I don't know. Every time I see him like in real life, he just looks like such a piece of POS. Let me just, here's what I'm doing. I'm cleaning up the podcast, baby. Normally, I would say the word shit or turd or fuck face or corn cob. But now I'm saying POS. You know why? Respect. I got respect for the listener.
1: I know all the kids out there and all the people who listen in their cars with kids are real glad you have quit calling people corn cobs because that got really bad last year, the corn cob name calling.
0: I'm not going to call people corn cobs, and I'm also never going to use the last letter of any word I ever say. (laughs) And the reason is... We don't got time for all those ending letters. You know what I'm going to say when I say it? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Well, what was bad about the movie? What <sighs> well, is it? Like called, serial
1: killers being interrogated. It's called The Little
0: Things. And is it about our peepees? <laughs> no. It's written directed by some dude. And believe me, if I if somebody said, "Hey Bobby, write a crime" movie and then direct it I could not write a movie as good as The Little Thing so I'll give him that he's better than me at what he does but god damn it don't waste my time with your shit boy sorry
1: P.E.O.S. it's a common fallacy to say that unless you can do something better you can't criticize it that doesn't really make any real sense you can have an opinion you can even be an expert on something without being able to actually do it well here's and the, your and your criticism is valid. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's it's yeah. weird to say unless you can make something objectively better, you can't watch cuz my whole deal with when when I when me and my wife trade films to watch, I always go in with a great attitude, really hoping it blows me away and moves me and all this crap. If it doesn't though, and you're like, "Well, what'd you think?" Well, I'm going to tell you what I think. Right. That movie sucked. And
0: I reserve the right to say that because I sat through it, I watched it, I beheld it. Well, here's the problem with all criticism, all period. And now I'm I'm about to say something. Uh oh! That cancel culture can't fuck with Uh-oh. this shit's Bat- bull. This shit's bulletproof, dude. Bat- this Bat- is hatches. this opinion that I have is like a SWAT team rolling up, armored and fucking guns loaded with vests, playing 50 cent on the speaker. Like in that scene in fucking Apocalypse Now where he's playing Wagner.
1: You said 50 Cent weird. And now, you, unfortunately, before we hear what you have to say, you've been canceled.
0: That's how you say it. It's 50 Cent. It's not 50 Cent. If you say 50 Cent, you're saying it wrong. It's 50 Cent. I've been listening to this new record by who is it again? 50
1: Cent? <laughs> no. It's, Delectable beats he has. 50 it's spelled cents
0: 50 Cent.
1: Yeah. Go on. So what? So drop the bomb, baby. I'm ready.
0: I'm in the bomb shelter of my mind. Let's hear it. Well, unfortunately, the way I said 50 cent is not in a bulletproof armored car. That's actually just driving a Camaro, (laughs) and all the windows are broken out. Oh. Uh, So that one's not, you know, I'm a little worried about that. But anyways, let me get back to my opinion about critics and what the deal is. All right, you ready? We're rolling up. We got the 5-0 with the S with the thing through it blasting. Here's the deal, dude. I just want everybody to calm the fuck down right now while I tell them what my what this is. Dude. You don't know what it is, It's What? <laughs> I forgot. You don't what, know what it is. <laughs> I forgot what I was talking about. No, I know what I'm talking about. Here's the deal, dude, of all criticism. It's your opinion, and everybody has a unique series of things which move them. So you love fucking Pearl Jam, and then you play it for me, and you're like, dude, check this song out. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. And then I play you some song, and you're like, I don't get it or like it. And I'm like, how could you not like this thing? It's so incredible. It's because we all have this certain, we have these certain things, these emotional bells inside of us, and if they're not wrong, we don't give a fuck. And so, yeah, you're, so just because yeah. this one critic's emotional bells were rung or weren't rung doesn't mean they're not going to ring for you like the bells of goddamn St. Mary. Let's take it back to 1942 when everything was in black and white.
1: Well, everyone approaches anything they consume with their entire past behind it, their entire context of who they are. And every time their dad didn't play catch with them, and every time their mom beat them with a belt, and every time their teacher didn't tell them they were geniuses. Everyone approaches everything they consume with their
0: entire life behind it, so... I swear to God, I hope there's violin music behind this part of this podcast. <laughs> every teacher who did it, every time you put your hand out hoping that you're, the stranger would take it and shake it and welcome you in to their company and let you... and ghosted you like a fucking straight up left you on front street every time society left you disenfranchised and disillusioned and dickless every time you tried to say something but your brain just said go fuck yourself with what you're trying to say because i'm not saying shit except some fucking stuttery ass garbage some guy got into some hot shit on
1: twitter I, i i saw this thread A couple of weeks ago he's a critic for like the new york times so whatever he's a he's got a good gig as a critic right but he said some shit on twitter about how being a critic is harder than being an artist oh my god because and here's i'll try to be generous to his argument he got fucking flamed dude he got totally fucking annihilated but his argument was a good critic and I, you know, someone like Pauline Kale, like I read Pauline Kale for fun. She's a film critic. If you like movies, you have to go check out Pauline Kale. But anyway, I'm I'm imagining he's talking about someone like her. He's like a good critic not only has to like sum up whatever the thing is, let's just say it's movies, but they have to write about that movie creatively and and be interesting and like move the ball forward of what the artist is. T- they have to understand the art. And write about that art creatively. That was his argument, and dude, he just got so fucking flamed. It was pretty, pretty tough to watch. Well, I a bunch of a bunch of artists came out and were like, "No, sorry, <laughs> if making a thing will always be harder
0: than talking about the thing someone made." Sorry. Here's what I like to do. I like to play the devil's advocate. You know that. Hmm. I like that about you. I'll say something, and then you could repeat it back to me, and I'll immediately take the opposite viewpoint, even though I just stated the viewpoint that you just stated restated to me. Well, anyway, that's that's part of the IOK sauce, right? So here's the deal: to be a good critic means you have to be a good writer, and you also have to be able to under like what he's saying. You have to be able to look at something, understand what it is, talk about it without giving away too much of the plot, and then if you can do that in a way that's entertaining. Then you're a good writer. You're basically a you could dude. I know there is this guy, Michael Corcoran, who is a music critic. But really what he is is he's a great writer. Now, sure. That's what Pauline Kale was. To too. say right. To say that somebody's a great critic is that's stupid. Because again, your criticism or your opinion is is a very small slice of the pie. The the main part of the pie is your writing ability. Now, if you have the ability to write about something in a, in, a, in a way that sort of, God damn it, illuminates the subject and you can do it in a witty and profound manner, then you might be better than the art that you're talking about if the art that you're talking about is the little things.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think but, he was making a big statement about criticism in general. I've definitely read Pauline Kael pieces about movies that, like, here's a great example Jean-Luc Godard Breathless that it's on every list ever I could not stand that movie. I could not wait for it to be over. It was I was uncomfortable. I thought it was boring. I thought I thought it was really bad actually. Now I grant that I'm probably the one I'm the one who just doesn't get it cuz it's like David it's like people who don't like David Bowie. The problem's not David Bowie. Problem's probably you. No. Okay? No 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 no. The problem is David Bowie. No, if you're taking his best 20 songs and
0: you're like, I don't know. No, no. Take his best 20 songs. They're some of the best rock songs ever written, pop songs, whatever you want to call them. Right. The other 900 songs that he wrote are the worst songs of all time. But if you got someone that
1: doesn't like his hits and they're like, David Bowie sucks. The answer to that is no. David Bowie just simply doesn't suck. You don't get it. And that's fine. A lot of smart people don't get it. He's tough. Or Tom Waits, for you know, there are all sorts of artists that would no, fall no, in that no, category no, 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 of no. don't acquired taste.
0: No, you can't put Tom Waits. Oh and Jesus! David are you going to disagree same... with everything I say? No, today. I'm just saying you can't put Tom Waits and David Bowie
1: in the same box. They're both an acquired taste. They're not. They're not someone you can play. They're. They're, they're like you have to really know a lot of context and be in a particular place for all of that shit to land. All right, but get to, get to your point. My point is Pauline kale's piece. She spoiler alert. She loved Breathless. And her piece about it is beautifully written. Everything she wrote, I thought was smart and witty, beautifully written. Reading, her, I'll read her essays about movies I've never seen. because they're fascinating. Did it change your viewpoint of
0: the, like, did it change your no. idea of what the movie was? No, you
1: still no. hated it. I just liked her piece on it because yeah, it was yeah. better than the movie to me. Yeah. But I think I think what this guy was saying, and he ended up walking it back because he had to, was that the job of the critic is more artful than the job of the artist that's stupid which i just think is ridiculous that's ridiculous and, and he had to eat shit for it and you know what's cool though he he did he he like apol. you know he was like hey i misspoke i've been it's been a really tough day for me because it went viral a little bit he didn't like lose his job he didn't get canceled and i liked that and we've talked about this on the show a lot i liked that he he said a thing that was kind of dumb a lot of people were like hey that's dumb and he was like oh yeah that was pretty dumb sorry and then we can all move on, baby. It felt like the nineties. Dude, have you ever have you ever known any critics? I don't think I've
0: ever known an, an art critic. No. Do you know people like that? Yeah. I've known writers who were critics. Michael Corcoran, I know. I knew this other guy. I used to live with a critic who was a who it was a punk rock critic. So he would just only do, you know, pieces about punk, like whatever the newest punk album was he would write about it pro or con or whatever. It sounds like a great way to destroy your love for a thing. Anyway, no, he's, no, he loved it. He 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 maintained his love for that art form. But both of those guys, and I will say this in general about writers. Pretty prickly surly lot. Like guys who are good writers tend to not be very good at being human beings. That's the reason they're writers because writers are close themselves off in a room. They're all alone. And that's where they're the most at home and the most comfortable. And they do their writing. And then when they get out amongst people, dude, they're not fun to be around. They're like grumpy, disheveled. They don't look good. They usually have bad teeth, bad hair. Are describing me? Leave me out of it, Bob. <laughs> no, dude, you're, you're absolutely not that. You're a delight, dude. You're a delight to have around. Yeah, I, I think that's diminishing as I get older. That's I don't not, know, but no, that'll never be the case. You you care too. You care too much about making sure that people are comfortable around you, much to your detriment. Yeah, much it's, to it's your an illness. Yeah, much to your you know your. It doesn't make you feel good to have to worry about everybody, but it does make you a joy to be around. Other you. than
1: like rock star, whatever that means. That could be Motley Crue snorting ants or, you know, Prince in a fucking castle. Uh, Who knows? Rockstar to me was always number one idea of what I want to be. But I will say number two is like Charles Bukowski with no money in a cheap hotel. Reading Henry Miller and just typing all day like that, that lone, grumpy, disheveled bum writer guy. That's like my number two fantasy of like what I want to be when I grow up. I always loved that idea i'm sure the actual life of it is horrific but i loved the idea of it dude i lived
0: that life i lived that life and it's not good when did you live that life pre-1995 when i quit drinking i lived the life of the writer bohemian bohemian. writer oh yeah yeah
1: like Like, you had a cat in the hat hat (laughs)
0: living like moving to austin with three hundred dollars sleeping on the floor for a year with with vermin uh eating flour water which is (laughs) it's a meal consisting of a glass of water where you mix flour in with the tap water and then you try to chug that to to dissipate your hunger because you have nothing else you have no pennies If I had eleven pennies, I could go to the store and buy some ramen, but I didn't have eleven pennies. Where'd you get the Where'd you get the flour? Just had it. Just (laughs) had flour, dude. I don't know why I had flour. It was probably in the cupboard when I moved into this place. It was an efficiency. I don't know where I got it. So let me. uh, So okay, dude. I don't think this is the kind of life I lived. I would hang out with reprobates, and one time I was hanging out with these dudes again. An efficiency apartment near campus. And I meet these guys. I don't know where I met him, but we're hanging out. And the guy's like, can I use your bathroom? And I'm like, sure. And he, unbeknownst to me, was going in there to take a poop. And he gets in there, poops, comes out, and he's like, oh, there wasn't any toilet paper in there. I'm like, yeah. Do I look like fucking Hugh Hefner, bitch? You think I got toilet paper? No, we're using newspapers up in this bitch. We're using stuff that you find in the mail. To wipe our butts, you motherfucker. You, you think you're a punk? You ain't shit, dude. Guess what I found the next day? My only towel stuffed into the closet covered with this guy's shit. Because he used my towel to wipe his punk ass. Motherfucking soft punk bitch. I hated that guy. I never saw him again. I was like, if I ever see this motherfucker, I'm going to give him a real tongue lashing. I'm, when you're, I'm not a violent person, but dude, that was not cool. When things are so bad that you're pouring flour into a cup of water
1: and you're drinking it, are you thinking like this is horrible or are you just like onto the – is it so horrible that it's just tucked away somewhere deep and dark and you're just excited about the next thing you're going to do? Or are you going, man, I got to get out of this situation. I can't drink flour like what's going I'm I'm always curious about like just what the, the mind frame of you in that moment is. Was it a sad moment or is it beyond sadness?
0: No, it's not sadness. You're you're in survival mode at that point. Dude, right, I'll tell you the worst. Sadness. The worst ever. That I mean, I've just been poor. Dude, to be an artist, you gotta be able to walk through the poor zone. I walked through the poor zone for about four years. For four years, I was absolutely broke. It was all pennies and If I had a nickel, dude, if I had a nickel, I felt like a goddamn king. It's like a World War II story. It was all pennies. Anyways, I remember one time, this was in 87. 87 was the worst year for me in terms of finances. Because I got a student loan for like 2,500 bucks. And for three weeks, dude, I lived like a king. Drugs, alcohol, food, and then it was gone. I didn't save a penny and then I was broke. And then my, uh, I lived in this apartment complex. This is in El Paso and I had a mail van was my transportation. Anyways, I got a flat on that. So, and I had no spare. So that transportation out phone got cut off. Uh, for entertainment, I had a two inch by two inch black and white portable TV. And then I could I could get whatever was coming in over the air was my entertainment for f- and so I had no communication with the outside world. I had no way to get to anywhere. Nobody could contact me. Nobody was coming over. And now I'm just sitting in my basically like the Shackelford expedition where they get stuck in the ice in the South Pole. That's where I'm. I'm at. It's the dead of summer. So it's a 110 degrees in El Paso.
1: My my image of you is. A a one-room, dark apartment. That's it. it? the sun's going down. And then there's just a single light like with a string. That's what it was. And you pull it, and then all you see in the dark room for hours is just the cherry
0: from a cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) You're sitting in a chair in the middle of the room. Believe me, I smoked cigarettes whenever and as often as I could. No cigarettes. So I had no cigarettes, no alcohol. All I had in the entire apartment for sustenance was tap water my two-inch black-and-white TV for entertainment. And it was an efficiency, so I was just sitting on the couch. And then every once in a while, I would get so hungry, I would go to the fridge, open it up. The only thing in the fridge was a thing of Golden's spicy mustard. And what I would do is I would put my finger out, and then I would, I would just pour some mustard on my finger and pretend it was a hot dog. <laughs> and... <laughs> And chew on my finger with the mustard and wash it down with a giant cup, a giant glass of tap water, and then go back to sitting and watching the black and white TV. I did that for three days. Three days, nothing but finger mustard, tap water, and black and white TV. No cable. And then finally, I was like, I'm going to die here. Yeah. You can't, man can't live off mustard alone. So I get out. I get, so I'm like, well, I got to go. I got to go find somebody. So I, I I only had one friend at the time. This guy has sham. He was an Egyptian guy. So I was like, all right, let me go see if a shams around. No cell phones, nothing like that. It was all phones and my phone's cut off. So I have no, so now I've, and my car doesn't work. So now I've got to get out in the sun, in the midday sun and walk like three miles to where he lived. So I start walking, and now I'm in the desert. I don't know if you've ever been to El Paso. It's the desert. There's no sidewalks. It's just roads and desert. So now I'm walking through the desert, dude, like you'd see in a fucking Clint Eastwood movie with the fucking skulls on the ground (laughs) and the fucking... Hoo-wee-hoo. Yeah, the tumbleweeds and the circling <laughs> Tumble- vultures. Dude, yeah, there's tumbleweeds, Batman there's walking. vultures. And then the sun hanging high, beating down 100, 100 plus degrees. And I'm walking and I'm like, well, I'm going to get to Shams' house and he's either going to be there or maybe I'll die there on his doorstep. So I get to his doorstep. Now, again, granted, I haven't eaten for three days. I'm a young man. I have a serious you know metabolism it's not like now i could live for six months easily with this with the store of fat that i have now it wouldn't be a problem i get to his house knock on the door no answer i'm like well I, this is where i die knock again all of a sudden you hear it. the door opens it's his sham. he's like hey bobby Anyways, I don't even see a shop. I look past him into his kitchen, and I see on top of the refrigerator, like the Holy Grail, like the Knight, like Sir Galahad searching for the Holy Grail in the swamps of the darkest forest. I look on top of his fridge and see a sleeve of saltine crackers, and I hear like harp music. and Hisham's talking and all I'm hearing is like you know like the peanuts cartoon I'm like (laughs) I'm like Hisham like no high no nothing I'm like can I have one of those saltine crackers (laughs) just one of them (laughs) and he goes yeah of course help yourself whatever you want and I fucking walk across the room like literally it's the last few steps before I'm going to die and I reach up pull down the sleeve pull out a cracker Dude, as I pull it out, the sun hits the fucking salt and goes, ding, like fucking, like you know, like like when the sun hits a diamond, like, ding, ding, ding. And I put it to my lips and on my tongue, and I swear to God, dude, it was like electricity going through my whole body. It was the most amazing thing I've ever eaten in my entire life. The end. And I ate that cracker. What a
1: story. And then I ate more. I like the idea of the story ending with you ate that one
0: cracker and then walked back. (laughs) (laughs) No, then I don't know. Dude, I don't know how I used to. I don't know how I survived back in those days. I had no money. I had no job. I don't know how I got through
1: it. And that's why when people ask us, should we
0: pursue a career in art? We're like, no. Only do it if you have to do it. I will right. say this, though. I think having those experience, those kind of experiences and other things that happened to me when I was a kid that were pretty terrifying and fucked up, if you have that, I think you can make interesting stuff. And if you don't have that, I don't think you can make interesting things. Like, if your life is all cushiony and cool and everything's chill, I don't know if you can do it. I think you had to have experienced it at some point. I think I think you can
1: be successful and success usually comes with a lot of you're able to alleviate a lot of discomfort i think you can still keep making interesting stuff bukowski always said that being a great writer doesn't mean experiencing shit all the time it means having a good memory about whatever you experience so i think if you had it cush from the beginning it's hard to make interesting art i really do you can study all the greats and you can listen to the beatles every day or whatever the fuck but i do think i agree with you those those things are what make are they? They were are what add the spice and the edge to good art.
0: I mean, of course. Then you have like Jerry Seinfeld, who famously grew up like his upbringing was great. He seemed to have a really good, you know, parents and was fine. But he's just again, he's super sensitive and and stuff annoys and him ang-
1: and angry. Like I think what can come out of Cush is anger. Yeah, and because he's an he seems like a nice guy. He's, his comedy is sort of. The framework of the house he built is like nice kind right, of right. observational. What's up with the airport? But underneath Seinfeld, dude, is a lot of fucking anger. Oh yeah. And what I love about him is that he's so, in so many ways, so kind of like anti archetype of com- comedian. Right. You know, comedians are always trying to get you to like them. That's kind of part of their whole deal. Jerry Seinfeld's like, ah, I don't, I don't care if you like me. I don't care about anything except my family.
0: You know, and comedy. Well, the thing about Seinfeld is. He is grumpy because he's annoyed. He famously talks about it in that Howard Stern interview where he just says, I'm just annoyed all the time. And because, like stuff that wouldn't normally annoy or stuff that annoys people, but you don't know it annoys you, he points that out. And you're like, oh, yeah, that is annoying. Yeah. Because um, he's just super sensitive to it. And if you're super sensitive to everything, you're going to be a grumpy fucking dude. And he is. But I think he's a nice guy. I've met him. And uh, he seemed nice. Like, I don't like people that are fake nice. Yeah. Like, I don't mind somebody if they're grumpy, but they're still a nice person. That's my... Yeah. That's, I think that's the way we should be. I think he... What he comes... I've never met him, but he, he comes up to me as like, he'll look you in
1: the eye and he'll give you the... T- he'll, you know, he'll treat you like a human being. Oh, yeah. And and he'll give you a shot to t- do whatever. Right. But I th- I have a feeling if you whatever those all those invisible lines are i have a feeling if you step around those in a way that's not cool he'll let you know that too real quick oh yeah and some people think that's not being a nice guy i actually think i think what being nice means without being full of shit is giving everyone the benefit of the doubt kind of starting neutral cuz I, I that me and my wife argue about this i'm like i'm a nice guy i'm like i just don't suffer fools that's different suffering right. fools doesn't make you a nice person it makes you a dumb a dummy right who's willing to waste your time yeah i think you're like that a lot of people in our world are like that
0: yeah i mean i'm i dude i want to be nice to everybody just because i don't ever want somebody to not be nice to me like i just think like somebody was i saw a guy at a concert one time and i thought he was really good and then afterwards i went up to him to tell him that i thought he did a good job and he just blew me off and i was Mm -hmm. like i'm never doing that ever to anybody if somebody comes up to me to tell me that i did a good job i'm going to give them some FaceTime and say, thank you. Even if it's just that, I'm just going to say, hey, thank you so much. It's such an easy gesture. Easy. And it's respectful. Yeah. So I just want to, I want to treat people the way I want to be treated. But I've seen you though, but I've seen you at shows where
1: someone crosses those invisible lines and those those lines move and change. And it depends on
0: a lot of different things. But if someone crosses the lines, bye-bye. Bye. Well, there is the person that I'll meet occasionally, they're drunk, always drunk. Right. And they're annoying. Yeah. And they'll be like, "Hey, do you remember me?" And I'll be like, and th- I give them one chance, which is of course I remember you. Do you know my name? Of course. And that's that's what I say. And then we can move on at that point and pretend <laughs> that I know your name even though you know I don't know your name because you're not interesting. And of course, I don't remember your name. I barely know the name of my two kids. So, of course, I'm not going to remember somebody who I met a year and a half ago in a different town for two seconds at the end of a night. But if you do the thing where you're like, tell me what my name is, then. Uh oh. Whoopsie. Then I just go, no, I don't remember your name. I'm sorry. We're done. We're done, we're done with, the, with the pretend that I know who you are. Right. And
1: I don't think that's you not being a nice guy is what kind of my point is like people are in all kinds of social contracts and letting someone waste your time or manipulate your time or make you feel odd or take advantage of, of that interaction and that proximity. You can be a nice guy all you want and you'll be
0: there all goddamn night and no one's going to no one's going to feel good about it well if somebody wants a part of you that you don't know like that i mean what kind of person does that
1: we were doing our metal up your podcast party and this was a this was our second year party and it was a big deal because metallica was actually playing nashville the next day so there were a shitload of people there way more than just podcast people it became kind of the official pre-party but there were a lot of our people there from all over the world it was really really fun it was one of the most fun nights of my life actually and I'm talking to this guy who's a fan of the show, and he's got this drunk guy with him. And you've probably experienced this. His friend kept being like, I've never heard of your show, dude. I'm just here with my friend Brad. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. There are a lot of people here that don't know the show. So I'm talking to the guy, and he, that was kind of his thing. That was kind of his thing. He kept being like, a lot of people here, but I've never heard of you. He kind of kept doing that, you know? Right. First couple of times, it was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, get, I let him off the hook by I was being self-deprecating about it. I'm like, yeah, well, just, you know, these are all my mom's friends. Okay, I'll give you a few of those. The fourth or fifth one became, I get it, dude. I get that you don't you you don't know the show and you don't think I'm famous or worth the, the people that are here. I, I get it. I get it. It's cool. No problem. A few more, though, and it's like, hey, man, why don't you go fuck yourself and get out? <laughs> right. Well, he's fucking with you. Well, he's playing a game, you know? And right. Being a nice guy isn't, doesn't suit me or him or anybody. So check this out. The next day, and we'll end with this. This is kind of going long, but this is a good story. The next day, Metallica's playing Bridgestone Arena. Bridgestone Arena is right where Lower Broadway ends. So it's just a two blocks of honky tonks, and every bar has a band in it. There's a million people. Well, because it's a Metallica show, a million Metallica fans are in all these bars. Me and my buddies picked one arbitrarily at random, to go have a few cocktails in before we walked to Bridgestone Arena to see the show. I'm feeling bad, particularly about getting upset at this guy. Because I'm a I'm a nice guy. You are. I'm feeling bad about it. And I'm looking to pass my friend I'm talking to, and the dude that I told off at the bar is at the end of this bar. Next day, completely arbitrary bar out of thirty bars by Bridgestone. This guy that I told the to fuck off at my party is here. So I'm like, fuck it. I go up to him, and I'm like, hey, man, listen. Last night, I was a little drunk. I kind of felt like you were being jerk. I told you off, embarrassed you in front of your friend. It was kind of ugly. I was like, dude, I don't care that you never heard of my podcast. It's, I just want to apologize. The dude looks at me and goes, I have no idea what you're
0: talking about. <laughs> I'm not that guy. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs>
1: and we'll end with that. Thanks for listening. This was an interesting episode. If you like the show, you can always tell your friends about it. You can leave us a positive review on iTunes. You can support us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash letters I-O-K. We'll send you out some postcards. We got some new postcards coming out soon. You can also get access to The Secret Weekly, where we're going to go now. And we'll see you in a couple of days.
0: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.